Good, and I'll have every one of you up there with Nathan on that little bench back there. Boy, I didn't know if he's going to kick that thing in two or not. It must be a pretty good bench. Either that or Brother Nathan don't weigh that much. Amen. <laughs> yeah, he don't weigh that much, but if we could got two or three, if we could have got two or three more of us back up there with him, amen, that would have been something else to see. Amen. He didn't even miss a beat, neither. He got back down there right on time, amen. This ain't going to hurt nothing to shout a little bit once in a while. It just goes to what I've been telling you. You've been backslid for so long. Amen. But some of you felt a little thrill off of, off of his shout. Amen. Now, listen at it get quiet right there. What have I done? Ruined the service? <laughs> He's worthy to be praised. Amen. He surely is. And you're worthy to be rebuked for not praising him. Amen. Amen. But he sure is good. If you've been trusting him and you've been trying to serve him, if you've been trying to do right, that thing will flood over your soul and just, uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing like it. Nothing better than that. And what a blessed Savior we've got. Amen. I want to preach to you for just a little bit tonight about fellowshipping with the Lord. And uh, verse, uh, First John's where we're at. You turn to 1 John, and I'm going to turn back to 2 Peter chapter 1, where we start, where we left off this morning. And I wanted to point out something to you, and the Lord kind of led me away from my notes this morning. I didn't, didn't go too far from my notes, but I didn't, cover, I didn't cover everything I wanted to. But this right here that I'm going to read you out of 2 Peter chapter 1 goes with what we're going to look at in 1 John tonight. And I want to point something out to you. He said in verse uh, number 8, he said, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That's a, that's a great statement that needs to be thought about. Verse number 10 says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and, and election sure, now, look at this statement at the end of verse 10. I don't know if you turned there, but you listen to it or look at it, whichever one you're doing. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is as legalistic a statement as you'll ever read in your whole entire life. If you do these things, he said, well, what's he talking about? Add to your faith virtue, to virtue uh, knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. He said, do those things. He said, if you do it, you'll never fall. And for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. So that's a legalistic statement. We're saved by grace, Brother Nathan. Fellowship with God is not by grace. You can say that it, now listen, you can say that we enter into fellowship through the grace that saved us. We live, we live by faith, we're saved by grace, but we fellowship by obedience. You cannot fellowship with God in disobedience. You say, why not? Because he won't do it. God will not do it. Oh, God loves me. Yes, God loves you. Oh, he just loves us. Yes, he does love us. Yes, God is so good. Yes, he is so good. He's so good that there's not another name like it. Amen. But he's not going to fellowship with you in disobedience. Amen. That's why, we, that's why we're going to read what we're going to read here in 1 John. And in 1 John, let me just read the whole, let me pray first. And then we'll just read the, we'll start reading in the chapter. And, and let me read my text verse and then I'll pray. This is, uh, this is the message, that, uh, verse number five, excuse me. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in, lark, in darkness, we like, if we, he said we walk in, didn't say nothing about believing. Amen. He's, he's assumed that you've believed. He's assumed that you believe on him. You say, how do you know? Because he said we. If you lost, you ain't part of we. We encompasses the church. 
The church is, is, is defined as the body of believers. If you believe on him, you are we. Amen. That'd be some good preaching right there if you want to preach your own sermon. You ought to get used to the we instead of the you. It'll change your life. It'll make you happy. Amen. It'll get rid of the blues for you. I mean, y'all always thinking about I, I, I. You know what comes from thinking about I, I, me, me all the time? Discouragement. Amen. I'll save that sermon for another time. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. If the preacher gets up and calls you a liar, that's one thing. If God calls you a liar, you're a liar. Amen. You said you think God was emphatic about that. Well, he said all men are liars. He left you ladies out of that. wonder why. I don't know what God thinks about ladies on the subject, but as far as you men go, you're a bunch of liars. <laughs> amen? How many of you ladies can shout amen? I figured all the ladies in the place right there would have been standing up. That was your opportunity to stand up and shout amen. Yes! Tell him! Tell him amen! I sure am sorry, Sister Carrie. I'm going to do my dead level best to be a little quieter. Amen? I forgot. But he is good, amen. He is right. He's holy. And he ain't going to come down and fellowship with a bunch of disobedient Baptists. Amen. You men are liars. Amen. You say, what makes us liars? You say you're right with God and you ain't. That's the biggest lie you tell yourself. You cheat the IRS and cheat your tax man, cheat the, cheat the insurance man, cheat everybody else in this, on this planet and in this world and in this town. And that wouldn't be as bad as the lie you telling the Lord every day. You know, this ain't true. Me and Brother Nathan's are the best of friends. But did you know if me and him was out of fellowship and me and him wouldn't, you know who would know it? Me and him. <laughs> I mean, we come to church and say hello to one another and shake one another's hand. You'd never know any difference. But there's two people we can't never hide it from. And that's me and him. Amen. And you ain't fellowship with, you ain't fellowship with God in two years. And you're still trying to feel like this come, just coming in here is fellowship. A lot, of, a lot of people steal their joy. They got a fake joy. And a lot of people steal it. You say, what do you mean they're stealing joy, Brother Mike? What do you mean they're stealing fellowship? Well, I'll tell you what I mean by that. They, get, they find themselves a preacher. I said they find themselves a preacher that'll tell them they're doing all right and doing okay and get them to kind of convince one. See, that preacher needs convincing too. Mm, all this... All this cover-up of sin, is it ain't to cover up. Listen, preacher gets up here and covers up sin for you. He ain't covering up your sin. He's covering up his own sin. I don't guess you ever thought about that, did you? What reason does a man of God have to come up and be on your side? He ain't on your side. He's on his own side. You say, how do we test it? Hold this paycheck two weeks and see what happens. You're welcome. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Get yourself a preacher that'll tell you you're all right and you'll believe it happily and he'll go on glad that you do believe it because if you got right with God, he'd have to get right with God. If you got right with God, he wouldn't be able to tell you little dirty jokes every once in a while when you was off on your fishing trip. Huh? If you was right with God, he wouldn't be able to smoke his cigar while y'all was out in the tree stand. You say, would they do that, Brother Mike? Hey, the biggest name preachers right now in the country don't even wait till they get to the tree stand to smoke their cigars. They do it right out in front of the church. You Baptists have been doing it so long they feel comfortable doing it now. I tell you what, you won't be able to blow smoke in heaven. You're still in your fellowship. Pretending your fellowship. 
I got off course. I got away from these precious notes. I'm sorry about that. Let me, let me get back on subject here. Verse number 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us. That's another definitive statement there. Us. The blood of Jesus. Oh, Brother Mike, we're forgiven of our sins. Yeah, but you're still a sinner. And you need, if you say you don't, you've deceived yourself, the Bible says. People ain't wanting to have no judgment this day and time, but the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of God. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. Boy, don't you know what a, what a, what a avenue of grace that is, that if you just get it right yourself, God might not have to do something that he might have to do to correct you. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he scourgeth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son that he receiveth. Don't you know if you could just get it right? So, Brother Mike, why have you been preaching so hard the last... I don't consider it to be hard preaching. I just consider it to be true preaching. Let me say something about what I said this morning. I, I told you this morning, I said, I spent two or three years here just preaching hard and straight. And then got folks, folks was getting right and folks was getting saved. And then I took off and tried to preach some establishing doctrines and stuff like that over the couple of years. And you went and laid down and got hard on God and everything else. Could I just go back and tell you something that I believe and something that, I, that I've really seen the more that I live? There ain't but one overarching dominant doctrine in the Bible that people ought to be, I mean, they, they ought to be established in all the doctrines. But all the doctrines put in one pot and stirred together comes out to be one fine dish. And that is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I, I, I am chief. Amen. And that'll, that'll sum up your baptism. That'll sum up your trinity. That'll sum up every doctrine in the world right there. And if I spend two years trying to teach you what sanctification is, or if I try to spend six months to teach you about the second advent, the coming of the Lord, that's just prolonging uh, your treatment. Amen. You know, I, I could go to the doctor and he could give me five milligrams that would cure me in two months. And I don't never seen a pill that cured anybody anyway, but I'll use it for the illustration. I mean, if I could get five milligrams for six months and get cured, or if I could get a, if I could get 6,000 milligrams in one shot and go home all right tonight, I believe I'll take the 6,000 milligrams right now tonight. Amen. You said that'd be an overdose. You ain't about to overdose on getting right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So why should I let you get cold? Why shouldn't I just stir you up a batch of 6,000 milligram tonight? Amen. Amen. Then you won't have to wait six months to decide to leave the church. You'll know what we're all about in one service. Amen. Why waste your time? Amen. It ain't a waste of my time. That's what God put us here to do. Amen. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with God. And says the blood of Jesus Christ takes care of our sins. Amen. Have you been washed in the blood? He said, Brother Mike, that's a getting saved. That's a getting saved statement, ain't it? No, that's a fellowship with God statement right there. Mm, God help me. God washed me in the blood. You know, when a fellow's a young preacher, he'll come into a church or he'll go into a house that maybe got, you know, that this house is haunted or something like that. Hey, man, it's you that's haunting it. <laughs> I've, I've done this myself. Come in here and walk around. God, please uh, drive the unclean spirits out of this place. And I believe he's done that. I believe he's done that several times as an answer of prayer. But you know what I started praying here recently? Drive the unclean spirit out of me. Uh, hey, I ain't worried about driving the unclean spirit. If I drove the unclean spirit out of your house, you'd have to hunt another place to live. <laughs> that's true, ain't it? Ain't that true? Yes, sir. It's you the one that needs to get right with God. Let that old devil hang around. Maybe he'll get right too. <laughs> that ain't doctrinally so, is it? <laughs> Amen. But if, listen, what difference does it make if the unclean spirit goes out of the place if the unclean spirit's in you? Mm-hmm. This country's full of unclean spirits right now. I hope you know that. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
You say, how do you know when a country or when a place or a city or a town or a church is full of unclean spirits? People do destructive things to themselves. It's all over the world, folks. 30 years ago, you check this and see if I'm not right about this. 30 years ago, the worry was about people breaking in your house and doing you harm. 30 years before that, people had their doors unlocked. Well, we went from doors being unlocked to people doing other people harm to now people doing themselves harm. Hey, man, you ain't got to worry about that meth head. I mean, if he's just started on that kind of stuff, he might break into your barn and steal something. But after he gets entrenched in that lifestyle, he's just going to sit around and kill himself. That's where we've come to in this day and time. You say, what's the antidote for it? Preachers get back to calling sin by what it is and calling sinners by who they are. Hey, listen, our problem is not sin. It's sinners. Amen? I mean, if you really get right down to the nitty-gritty on this thing, your problem is not a Budweiser can. Your problem is what you'd do with the Budweiser can if you got a hold to it. It's you. Amen? I used to be with these other preachers and preach on Facebook and stuff like that. But listen, I found out real fast, the problem, not Facebook, the problem's the people on Facebook. Amen? Amen. You say, what is it? You're not, you're not fellowshipping with God. You're fellowshipping with yourself. Let me pray. Lord, we do thank you tonight. I pray, God, that you would take this message and use it to your honor and glory. I pray, oh God, that you would take the words that's written on the page here. And I pray, God, you'd bring them to life and light in the hearts of men. And I'll thank you and praise you for everything that you do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, the The overarching subject of my message tonight is the fact that we need to walk in the light. We need to fellowship with God. But I'm going to list just a few things for you uh, that men are doing rather than walking in the light. Amen? Because if you know what your obstacles are, you might learn how to get around them. Amen? Amen. And so I'm going to say, first of all, that you're not fellowshipping with God. Said, Brother Mike, I'm going to church every week. Didn't didn't ask you if you was going to church or not. That was this morning's message. Amen. He said, Well, Brother Mike, I carry my Bible. Well, when you going to read it? And then let me let me point this out to you. What's the good in even reading it if you're not going to obey it? The Bible said not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. Let me listen at that legalistic mess. You say, Brother Mike, you're calling that legalistic mess? No, I'm saying you're calling it legalistic mess. That's what the world thinks about it. Be doers of the word, the preacher says. And they say, legalism, judgmental. See, they know the verse that says judge not, but they don't know the verse that says judge righteously. You see, the, the verse that says judge not is not about others. It's about you. It's judge not lest ye be judged. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. It says, don't get, the, don't get the little splinter out of your neighbor's eye when you've got a great big beam in yours. Yeah. But then what did it say after that? It said, when you get the beam out of the, yours, then you'll be able to see clearly yeah. how to do what? Live by grace? <laughs> what does it say you'll be able to do when you get the beam out of your eye? It says you'll be able to be liberal and you'll be able to tolerate one another. didn't say tolerate one another. Then it said get that little twig that's in your neighbor's eye out. Help him out. Amen. If he's got a little, if, if he's got a little twig and you've got a big beam, he might get right before you do. Amen. You know what that is though? I think what that really is is a lot of time we get our own eyes clouded over with our own self-importance and then we see what's wrong with somebody else and their little twig looks like it's magnified. And when we get right with God, we find out, well, that ain't so bad. He ain't so bad. He needs help. But I'll say it again. Every man on this planet needs help. Did you know we could find fault with anybody? Did you know we can find fault with everybody? And just so happens, Brother Eddie, that's who Jesus died for. Everybody. Everybody. 
Everybody. See, people on this planet, they get caught up with, with black and white and red and all this stuff. That's just the devil's distraction to get you tied up in knots about stuff. The big problem on this earth is sin. And sin's the only thing that's ever killed any man on this planet. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to point out some things tonight about walking with the Lord and fellowshipping with the Lord and give you some of the opposites of that so you'll know what's going on. You say, you got to tell people, don't you think people know what's going on? I know they know they're not in fellowship, but the Bible says you're blind and cannot see afar off. You don't know what you're doing. Amen. You don't know what you're doing. It seems like I remember our elders. Our, our, when, when I was a boy, we had elders and we had folks that been around a lot longer than us and seemed like they knew what was going on. I mean, and the simple explanation for them was always, you don't know what you're doing. Did you know that was the explanation that Christ gave on the cross? He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. You know what Jesus told his disciples? He said, the people that's going to persecute you, he said, they're going to think they're doing God's service. They was up here singing about that old time way and that old time religion and stuff and about us just getting passed by. Hey, let them pass us by. It's them that don't know what they're doing. Hey, did you know in order to get involved with a religion like this, you have to do it on purpose? You don't get deceived into a straight preaching Bible church. Your eyes get wide open, amen. Your eyes, I mean, now if you get some mealy-mouthed little preacher that talks nice to you for six months and encourages you to join the church and then 12 months later you find out that they're a Calvinist or a Catholic or something like I'm not talking about that kind of thing. You come to church like this and you're going to get it in your first or second visit. You're going to find out what things are all about, amen. Whether it's a you church or a him church, amen. Whether it's a Jesus church or whether it's a people's church. This is people's Baptist church, but this ain't the people's church. Amen. This is God's church. This is God's church where people believe God's word. Amen. Call it whatever else in the world you want to, but the only person to be confused about it is you. You don't know what you're doing. Well, I just think that a church ought to have a good youth group. That's because you ain't got no sense. All that stuff is afterthought. All that stuff is a result. It's not a, a youth group is not what makes a church. A church will make a good youth group. Amen. You say, well, I just want to wear a church. I want a church that's really got a great choir. Okay, what you need is a good church, and it'll make a good choir. Amen. Now, listen. Anybody in Hollywood can get up and orchestrate it, but you have to step into the power of God. You have to step into the power of God and the fellowship of the Spirit. You have to step in it on purpose. You have to. I wish you could have seen me. Boy, I joined the Marine Corps because tough, 18 years old. and I went through all that stuff. With, I didn't mind none of that. I was already a tough kid. I'd been beat up a hundred times. Got a whooping every day from my mom. I was already a tough kid by the time I got in the Marine Corps. But one day... Showed me where I was at. They carted us up this 200-foot uh, tower and said, we're going to learn repelling today. Well, I wasn't playing around the edge on that. I was scared to death. And if I wouldn't have been ashamed of my fear and afraid that drill instructor would have kicked me off with both of his feet, I would have never got near the edge. But I said, uh, And what they said you had to do was get on the edge. Now, right here you got five feet to the ground. Over here you got 200 feet to the ground. And then what you got to do is you got to slowly let yourself out until your feet are parallel to the parallel to the deck. You're talking about 200 feet. I didn't bring my ruler. I don't know what's parallel to the deck. But you're talking about being mighty careful about easing out there. I was mighty careful. Mighty careful. And that's what happens when people find out they ain't been fellowshipping with God and the preacher urges them to take that. Just trust God and see what happens. Just do right and see what happens. Boy, they, I can see them sweating. I can see them sweating like maybe somebody asked them to throw away their television set or something. Hmm. 
Let's just turn off that cable vision and find something else to watch. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know. I don't don't know. You know what I'm talking about? It's like leaning over 200 foot of open space and trusting that this little, that rope wasn't that big around, people. That's no bigger than my eyeball. Can you see my eyeball? (laughs) That's a little repelling rope. I was like, I may as well be jumping off of this scaffold with dental floss tied around my waist. I don't know. I trust that. I did make it to the bottom. And I tell you what, though, you you take that step with God, you'll make it to the top. You'll make it to the top. It's a better life. It'll wash away some of that depression you've been dealing with. Would to God we didn't have to live the rest of the life in this flesh, but we do. And for that, God said, endure hardness as a good soldier. Amen. Not been fellowshipping with God, you've been fellowshipping with yourself. Say, how do you know? Well, he's talking about walking in the light, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So really, he's talking about you walk. Have you ever heard the Christian life referred to as you walk? Has anybody? I, I don't, do we need to go back and teach that lesson? I didn't hear nothing said there. I was afraid I might have been in the wrong church or something. You do know what I'm talking about when we're talking about your walk, right? Your walk encompasses everything you do. It's, it's how you go to bed at night. It's how you get up in the morning. It's how you associate with your husband and how you associate with your wife. It's how you interact with your Bible. It's how you interact with God as far as your prayer life goes. It's how you treat the people down at work. Amen? It's how, to, it's how you treat people that you do business with. It's how you interact with people you, you, that cut you off at the red light. It's how you tell people about Jesus or not. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's how you come home from, for dinner and greet your wife. It's how you greet your husband at the door when he comes home from work or vice versa, whoever does the work. It doesn't make no difference to me. I'm just saying it's how you go about your life. Amen. It, it, it's, how, it's how you deal with that sinner on the street when he comes up to you. You're too good to talk to him or you invest your life in him. Did you know as far as sinners go, Jesus invested his life. Before you even thought about loving him. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. I'm talking about your walk. And you got saved by grace undeservedly. But if you're going to fellowship with God. And what sweet fellowship it is. Safe fellowship. It's sure. Have you ever been fellowshipping with one of your buddies. And found out they wasn't really your buddies. Found out they was just in it for what they could get out of it and they's taking advantage and everything else. I guarantee you, 99% of you's done that to somebody else, took advantage of them. Just for what you could get out of them. You ought to go hunt them up and apologize to them. Amen. It'd do, it'd do this nation a world of good if Christians would go back and get right with people they've done wrong. You say, Brother Mike, there ain't no chance I could ever find them. Why don't you get on your face and pray God will bless them for the for the harm you've done them. Stolen lives and and, and stolen prestige and you left a tarnished reputation on some boy or some girl. Mm -hmm. If you can't go back to them and can't stir up some old junk, you ought to get on your face and pray God help that person and bless them for the hardship that I caused them. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the way you're walking. That makes me sick to my stomach when I see all the damage that just 48 years of my life has caused. See, I told you this morning, but I don't think you believe me, but I'm 10 times a harder preacher on myself than I ever have been on you. You say, why? Because I know me. That's really the big thing, amen. I know me, and in a great, in a great, to a great extent, I know you because I do know me. Because all men are the same. But I know, I know, we keep trying to walk with God without dealing with these things. And once we get used to not dealing with things, with these things, and once we get, once we get used to not dealing with righteousness and dealing with sin, we get used to that. Then we just accept it and go on with it and pretend like we're fellowshipping with God. And we'll say, ain't that right, God? And God won't answer, and you'll answer yourself, yes, he's going to take care of everything. He would take care of everything, but you need to get right with him. 
Amen. What's really happening, Brother Nathan, is folks is fellowshipping with their self. They pray a prayer to God and answer it on, in their own mind. You say, well, where are they walking at? They're walking in self-satisfaction. Not walking in the light. They're walking in self-satisfaction. Your feelings. Your opinions. Did you know those don't matter? I didn't say there were no, no consequence. To you, they're probably a big deal. But to God, God has other big deals. Amen. Well, I think church ought to be done this way. Nobody asked you. But wait just a second, though, Brother Curtis. Nobody asked me. Preacher don't get to make up his own way. You're talking about the Pope. That's, that's foolishness. That's men in dresses. But we don't go that route around here. But we got a book, see? Walk in the light. Where is the light, by the way? There it is. Jesus is the light. This is the light right here. The Bible says that Jesus was the Word incarnate. Is that right or wrong? Amen. Amen, that's right. So most, most folks are walking in self I want to do this. Therefore, I'm going to do this. And God's so graceful, he understands me. That sounds to me like you're God. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, the prophecy of the scripture is of no private interpretation. You don't get to put your spin on it. Amen. I don't get to put my spin on it. I don't get to choose legalist or non-legalist. I don't get to choose anything. All I get to do is read the Bible and conform to it. And if I don't conform to it, I'm not in fellowship with God. And let me tell you this, you're not either. You said, I think, yeah, but some liberal taught you that in school. You said, well, I seem to understand. Yeah, but Freud got that in back in the 50s and 60s. They began to, they, this, this, the, the, the world's preachers have stopped preaching the gospel and they've went to taking the world's psychology and putting it in the church. First, they asked the American people to put up with anything that comes down the pike. Let me ask you a question. I'm, there's, not, there's not a racist bone in my body, but let me ask you a question. All this legal right, uh, equal rights that people are talking about, equal rights for all races, I believe in that. Equal rights for men and women, I believe in that. Anybody don't believe in that, that's your personal favor, but I believe in equal rights. But listen, why is it that people can have equal rights, but they don't have an equal requirement for morality? And that, now, what I'm talking about is a relationship with God, not a relationship, fellowship with God. And if you're going to have fellowship with God, he said, be ye holy for I am holy. And it don't make no difference what a hippie or a, a philosopher or a history teacher says about anything when it comes to God. It's none of their business about God. But they got the American people to accept this line that you ought to accept anything. They got that into your high schools. And once they got it into your high schools, they got fellas get up about 18, 19 years old, having heard that all their life. Then they went to a Bible school somewhere and sat down in their philosophy class rather than a good Bible class. And they come back preaching that stuff from the pulpit. Now not only the country, but the church is in a mess. Amen. And all, the only thing in the world they're doing is walking after their own feelings and after their own opinions. Amen. Well, I just think we ought to love everybody. Who don't? Who don't? Well, I heard somebody say, would you quit listening to what people say? Did you know that people will say anything You want to know what people really believe? See how they see how they act in real life. You know these boys all over Folkestone right here tell dirty jokes and they tell racial jokes and tell racial slurs and stuff like that when it's just a couple of black boys together or a couple of white boys together. And they, the black folks tell racial white jokes and the white boys tell racial black jokes. And do you, Am I telling the truth or did y'all just clam up so you wouldn't be found guilty? But you know what? They don't stand out here in front of McDonald's and call each other racial slurs. 
You know why? Because that's not who they are. You get two boneheads together and they'll say anything. Hmm? You get two Christians in here together and they'll talk about the Lord. But you get a Christian and a lost person out there on the street and see who which, which one talks about their God the most. That's who people are. People are who they are when they get into the real world situation. That's who they are. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's right. It's true. That's true. I just cut off half of the South right there. I ain't putting up with no black boy. You say that to his face and he'll turn you inside out. Or you afraid he will. Hmm? Am I right? That's the biggest illustration. I know everybody on this planet sees that. You see him on television, kill Whitey. Have you seen that or hadn't you? Where they at? People just, when they get, people get together with, with, with people, they just shoot their mouth off. Talking about stuff that don't mean nothing to nothing. Amen. But when push comes to shove, we'll see who's talking about true Christianity. We'll see who put their reputation on the line for the name of Christ. Amen. That's who people really are. Amen. Self-satisfaction. Whatever makes you feel good at the time. Walking in self-satisfaction. Walking in the imagination of your own mind. We preach. I'm not going to spend too long on that because I preached on that this morning. You're not thankful. T-H-I-N-K-F-U-L. Otherwise known as thoughtful. You're not thankful. You don't think about things enough. Amen. But you just imagine what you might could accomplish in your own mind. You think about what you might accomplish with your own hand. You're dedicated to that. I'm going to do this. Well, the Bible says you're supposed to say, if God wills, we'll do this or that. Amen. I'll move on from that since I spent, I don't know how long I preached this morning, not long enough. Walking in your self-satisfaction, walking in the imagination of your own mind, walking in the darkness of the selfish motivations. You know people, you know people do that. People are devious. I don't know if I've ever preached on deviousness, but boy, Christians sure are devious. You know, I, I don't think. I don't think he ought to be the deacon. I, I don't think he ought to be the song leader. I, I think I'd be better than that. Boy, you better quit thinking about yourself. Well, I just think the pastor ought Well, come pastor. I'll get you a sermon ready next week and one for next week, uh, next week the night service and one for the next Wednesday night after that. Boy, you ain't studied, you ain't studied enough Bible to get 15 minutes of a sermon out, let alone three a week. Read two chapters in John and one in Romans and think you a theologian. Y'all say, if I do, I'd just come to the altar. If I was sitting in a church and it got this quiet, I'd just start moving towards the altar and say, God help me. Because I'll tell you one thing, if nothing else on this planet's true, man has a devious mind, and he's set about in his own mind to get his own way every time he wants it. And if he can't get his way, boy, there's going to be hell to pay. That's what's in men's heart and in men's mind. How can I get my way? That's what this all jumping from church to church to church to church is. I'm going to get my way. You ought to jump in the church where God gets his way and just sit down there and do a little something. Amen? Amen. You said sit down and do something. If you was listening, it'd be doing more than you've been doing in the last 25 years. Amen. You said what you're doing, you, you walking in the darkness of your own selfish motivations. Maybe I can get up there and show them how good I can sing. If that's your attitude, I don't want to hear you sing. Amen? I'd rather hear some old croaker get up here and sing for the glory of God than... Amen? 
Back when I was a boy, I remember they used to get up. Just about everybody, just about everybody that preacher like you got let get up to sing, they say, Now y'all pray for me now. And I'd be like, I'm praying for me. You can't sing. <laughs> I'm praying I'll be I'm praying I'll be get, but I I soon learned to find out that it ain't about performances. Amen. Amen. I'll pray you remember the words. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray you'd be like the best performer ever. That'd go to your head. That'd ruin you. If some of you could hit two notes together, you'd think you was Liberace or something like that. I need to lighten the load here. Some of you gonna. Some of you gonna have a heart attack if I don't. You know what the stupidest thing I ever heard is? The stupidest thing has to do with singing. Therefore, I'm going to tell you what it is. They got these northerners now that wants to sing like southerners because, you know, everybody in the south right with God and they got the power of God. So they'll start singing with this fake country. They even do it on the country singers and stuff like that. Got, got the fake country accents and stuff like this about four or five years ago. But they had this thing I, I saw. I believe I was at Brother Allen's or something. They had this interview going on with these different people and this country singer, they had his song playing in the background sound like a good old country boy to me and they, he started talking he had some kind of French, Canadian English accent or something like that I'm like he ain't even no country boy he said well they got country up north brother Mike no they don't they just got trees up there it ain't country but they start singing this fake country stuff. But that's not the stupid part. I mean, emulation is one of the best things you can get. That means you're, you're something. But the foolish thing is now, Southerners are starting to copy the fake Southern Northern. Putting it on Facebook and everywhere else. And it sounds stupid. If you're from the South, you don't have to try to have a Southern accent. You already got one. I got two or three laughs. So lighten the load a little bit. Let me move on. You're walking in the chains of your own addictions. You say, oh, Brother Mike, now I feel, I, you know, my conscience don't, I didn't ask you if your conscience bothered you. I said you was walking in the chains of your addictions. He said, what, do you, what would you suggest, Brother Mike? I suggest you quit it for 100 days. You said, what are you talking about, Brother Mike? Anything you're doing habitually. Of course, if you're reading your Bible habitually, don't quit doing that. That's helping you. But I think you follow me where I'm at. Why can't you quit it for 100 days? Let me, let me, let me challenge you to do this. Whatever it is, it's got its paws in you, and you're pretending it ain't got its paws in you, but it's got, your paws, it's got its paws in you. Why don't you quit it for 100 days and pray every day that God would show you some things about that thing? Amen? I took that challenge myself when I was chewing that old dirty Copenhagen. I said, I'm going to quit this for 100 days and we'll go from there. Sometimes now I'll, I'll, I'll have a great big old chew in my mouth. I'm looking around to see all the jaws drop. Sometimes I'll have a big old wad of Copenhagen in my lip. And it'll be getting down my throat and choking me to death and I'll be so under conviction because I spent so much time quitting this stuff. And then I'll wake up. But the conviction don't go away. Boy, I feel so bad. It's just me. I'm wired up different than all the rest of the human beings on earth that I would feel bad about doing something out of habit. Now, you're, not, you're not feeling bad because you're wired up different. You're feeling bad because the Bible says that a Christian shouldn't be brought under the power of anything. Amen. Amen. All things is lawful for me, but all things ain't expedient. So, Brother Mike, I want to smoke me a cigarette. Smoke one a year. Brother Mike, I want to listen to rock music. Listen to one song a month. You know, that thing proves itself out, though, because you can't listen to one. You can't smoke one. Those things are addictions. You say, Brother Mike, you think music's an addiction? That music gets so entwined in your emotions 
that, that music props up your, your inside, your, the, the ruminations of your mind. That stuff agrees with you so much. It's like a Baptist preacher these days. It agrees with you so much that it's addictive. Listen, you go to some of these Southern Baptist churches around here. And you'll find in these Southern Baptist churches little old ladies that believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. Amen? They believe that Jesus Christ is a soon-coming King. They believe that Jesus is just as holy as any of you independent Baptists believe that they are. But they can't leave that place because that place has them addicted. The doctrines went out years ago. Listen, the only reason that there is an independent Baptist church right now is because the Southern Baptist Church started loaning money to Coors Brewing Company way back in the day, and the, the independent preachers either left or got kicked out because they wouldn't send their money to the head office that was sending their money to the Coors Brewing Company. But instead of leaving those places, little old people that believe just like, just exactly like you and me do, they're addicted to that place and they're not going to get it out of it. I feel comfortable here. My grandma went here. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to tell you something right now that's going to affect every person in this building. You are going to have to get rid of this addictive nature that's in the flesh of man. You, from time to time, God is going to call you out of your comfort zone and say, now you've got to quit that. Well, my grandma believed this. Your grandma's not God. Hmm? Well, our church used to be the best church around, so I just hate to leave it. Used to. What happened? You say, what is it? The difference between fellowship and with God and not. I guarantee you, they got preachers all over this place standing up reading all these other versions and all this other stuff and saying stuff some of these elderly people don't even understand. They went to church for 40 years before the change come, and they never heard none of this stuff they're hearing now, but they're still sitting there probably thinking, I remember when that old preacher was here, and he used to holler a little bit, and he was excited about what he believed and. I just don't know what's going on around here, but afraid to move because it's comfortable. Amen. Quit it three months and see the difference. Amen. 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 Let, let me say this one last thing. You're walking in self-satisfaction. You're walking in the imagination of your own mind. You're walking in the darkness of your selfish motivations. You're walking in the chains of your own addictions. And finally, you're walking in the dictates of your peers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever they do, I'm going to do. Well, I think we ought to do this. Well, let me go ask my buddy and see what he thinks. Why don't you ask God? Mm-hmm. If they holler legalism, you're going to holler legalism. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not foolish enough to know. I mean, I understand what I'm trying to say is I understand that thing works both ways. There's some people that just goes to the KJV churches because they want to be part of the crowd. If you love the KJV so much, how come you ain't reading it? How come you ain't memorizing it? How come you ain't doing what it told you to do? I'm KJV only. What's KJV stand for? It stands for the Bible. How about AV? What does that mean? I don't know. Soft serve ice cream. I, people don't know what they're doing. They're just going with the flow. They're just going with what they're doing. You know, the old timers used to call that play in church. You know what the problem with playing church is, don't you? You can't play hell. When it comes to that, that's going to be real. You can't play consequences. When the consequences show up, they're going to be real. You're going to have to participate. And they will show up. You know what the Bible says about messing with the things of God? It says many are sick, many sleep, many are dead. 
You say, what was they doing? They was putting their hands on the things of God, just going along on the inside. The, the, the testimony of their heart didn't match the testimony of their flesh. And therefore, God let them, allowed them to begin to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And some of them went on and died before they got right with God. Amen. You say, you're an extremist, brother Mike. Every time my heart skips a beat, I confess a sin. God, I'm sorry about that. You say, well, that ain't much of a way to be. Hey, David said, I, was, I, was, I went astray until I was afflicted. I mean, you're talking about a man after God's own heart wouldn't get right until God touched the beat of his heart. You say, why is that? Because I've been trying to tell you over the last couple of weeks, every man in that Bible is wired up just like you. Ain't none of us, nothing but the chief of sinners. We're all in the same boat. All I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to ridicule you because your particular sin is worse than anybody else's. I'm just telling you, we need to get alone with God, and we need to get along with God. We need to get alone with Him, and we need to get along with Him, and fellowship with Him in the light of holiness and righteousness, and do righteousness. Right, because that's what he requires. He requires our obedience. Then you get alone with him and you get in fellowship with him. There's where healing takes place. There's where, listen, strength doesn't come from a preacher telling you okay. Strength doesn't come from a preacher uh, condoning what you're doing. Strength comes from God condoning what you're doing. And God liking, if God enjoys what you're doing, you're going to live, my friend. If God condones what you're doing, you're going to get healing, my friend. If God condones what you're doing, you're going to have joy. He's the author of joy. He's the author and finisher of our faith. But he's a, when you get to doing what he wants you to do and living a life that's holy and acceptable before him, he's going to jump all over your soul. And you're not going to need that pill to make it through another day. God's going to get all over you. You're going to enjoy things. Oh, people talk bad about me. Listen, that's why you need the joy of God. It won't matter what people think about you. About half of you are going to leave cussing my name tonight, and it ain't going to bother me a bit. Because I know I'm right about this thing. I know the Bible's right about it. I know I wouldn't even be right if the Bible wasn't right about it. The Bible got me right. That's right. I mean, didn't know college get me right. Didn't know high school education get me right. Some people would be better off just to quit in the third grade, learn to read and write, and re- uh, maybe not the third grade. You, you better teach them a little bit more than that. But learn a little reading, writing, arithmetic, and get busy living for God. Because about all you're getting in high schools this day and time is uh, anti-God, anti-holiness, anti-Christian, pro-Islam. Amen. I better not ever teach nobody leading my kids in no Islamic prayers. Hmm. You say you, 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 you don't think that's legitimate? I know it ain't legitimate. Hmm? You say, how do you know? Galatians chapter 1. Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed, the Bible says. Islam got their gospel from, a, from an angel. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Walking in the dictates of your peers. Amen? Amen. That's exactly right. I'll tell you this. I know this is true as well. There's some people, they wouldn't listen to a sermon unless it was preached just like I just preached it. Well, now, see, I've done spent three years preaching you nice messages and establishing messages. I think it ought to be done. I think it ought to be done. Some people sit around and listen to some solid doctrine being preached for more than a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm bored with this. Why are you bored with it? You smarter than God? You know it already? Oh, it's just, I mean, it's, it seems to me more like studying. The Bible said much studies of weariness to the flesh. You need more of it. You get that flesh a little bit weary, you wouldn't be able to run to bingo on Saturday night. Therefore, you'd be able to make it to church on Sunday morning. Amen? You need to get in fellowship with God. You know what this chapter that we just read, what it goes on to say? It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But it said, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. People as rotten as me, God will forgive me. 
God will give me another chance. I didn't say a second chance. I blew my second chance before I got out of the first grade. I'm talking about a God that will sit down with you after you've deliberately walked away from him. After you deliberately said the stuff you said. After you deliberately looked at the stuff you look at on television. After you deliberately looked at that porn, uh, pornography on the internet. You deliberately done, You didn't accidentally do that stuff. You did that stuff on purpose. But we got a God that knows what you made out of. And if you'll get sorry over that and say, God, I'm sorry I did that. He'll sit down and put his arm around you and say, you're forgiven. You say, why? Jesus bought that for you on the cross. You said, Brother Mike, to, to, to deliberately go against God like that and to still get forgiveness from it, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, Jesus paid for that. Jesus bought that with his own blood. And if I was you tonight, I'd get next to an altar somewhere and say, God, wash me in this blood. Help me. In this. Drive that evil spirit out of me, God. Because I tell you, it is an evil spirit. It might be the spirit of man, but it's still an evil spirit. Some of you might have been messing with the devil, out messing with these playing cards and all these devices that the devil folks, devils and folks use like that. I'm talking about a lot of this stuff is witchcraft. A lot of the television shows that you're watching is invoking witchcraft. Hmm? I don't have to watch it to know. I mean, if I see a commercial, if you exercised in that word, you can just about spot it when the commercials come on. Hmm? All your favorites. Walking Dead. Hmm? Game of Thrones. Hmm? Oh, that's the big popular, them the big popular shows. Well, everybody loves that. Got to get home for the Game of Thrones. There ain't but one throne that ought to concern you. That's the throne of grace. Hmm? God forgive me and help us with this. And I, listen, you don't have to have a pentagram to be satanic. All this self-worship that you see on all these situational comedies, that ain't nothing but devils. Your house is full of devils. You're full of devils. And you're full of bad and evil spirits. And it's, it's affecting your life. And it's killing you. You don't know it, but it's killing you. You do everything in the world to procure your own happiness, but it don't never turn out as happiness. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. But after you do it, it leaves an empty feeling in your soul. And that empty feeling's a feeling that only fellowshipping with God is going to be able to, that emptiness in your soul, only God is going to be able to feel that. You say, why, why can't I feel my own joy? Because he's the one that made you. That empty spot has nothing to do with you. That empty spot is his spot. That's his spot. That his, that's his place. They talking about a boy coming up after his father and filling his shoes. That, that hole in your soul is God's shoe. And they ain't no, the devil can't feel it. You can't feel it. Your wife can't feel it. Some of you thought you was going to be happy when you got married, but she's been beating you up ever since. Hmm, you thought that that was, a, if I could just have that girl, everything would be rosy. But that hole in your soul is still empty because you've not been fellowshipping with God. If I could just get $15 an hour, if I could just get this job, if I could just get it, everything would be rosy. But that job can't fill that hole. There's only one that can. You ought to be fellowshipping with him. As soon as you start fellowshipping, boy, he'll get right in his place. <sighs> Next thing you know, you'll be running around shouting, Hey, amen. Hey, amen. Praise God. Boy, God done something for me this week. Let me tell you about it. Used to be people would come to church and say, Boy, God did something for me this week. I just want to thank you. You know what? You know what? Bible-believing testimonies turned into in this day and time. Well, I went out and I did this and I I done that and I told him this and I listen. Nobody wants to hear that. Can I just be honest with? You? Nobody wants to hear that. I witnessed the forty people this week. Congratulations! Now sit down and shut up. Nobody wants to. I don't want to hear it. You say why not? Because I know what man is. I felt, boy, that gave me a burst of energy. I might preach 20 more minutes. No, I'm not going to do that. But you know, what I, you know what I'd like to hear again? There's a sweet song that used to come through the churches, and that was God's people standing up and giving him the glory for what he's done for us. If we could only get back there. Lord, we do thank you tonight for your goodness. It's been a long time since some of us has fellowship with you. 
I pray, oh God, you'd help us. I pray, God, that you had opened our eyes to these things. God, I know you've had to open my eyes to these things several times over the course of my Christian life. I pray, oh God, you'd help me. I pray, oh God, that you'd help these. I know these brothers and sisters of mine are dealing with these same things, God, and I pray that you'd help them. I pray you'd strengthen them, God. I know that there's an empty spot down in their soul, and they're trying their best to fill it with all these worldly things, and none of these worldly things are going to mean a hill of beans. Not going to fill up any holes. Lord, I know your spirit move into a man's life, not just for the sealing, but for the fellowship and for the direction and for the power. I pray, oh God, you'd give us this power, God. I pray you'd help us and lead us. And I'll thank you for what you do tonight. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thank you, dear God.